0: hello welcome into the phnx cardinals podcast it's johnny and bo recording on a sunday night dropping on a monday morning and bo jonathan gannon
1: are you gonna be seated with him at brunch what's what's your (laughs) monday plan what's going on not quite Monday. So AFC coaches on Monday, we had the uh, infamous Belichick orange juice pick from a couple of years ago. Hoping they see that live and in person on Monday, but then Tuesday is the NFC coaches. We'll get to sit down with Jonathan Gannon. He's already at work at the league uh, annual meetings. That's going on at the Biltmore swanky resort here in Phoenix, uh, hanging mm-hmm. out with the rest of the owners, GMs and coaches. We're going to see our first JG coach photo we'll see what his attire is. Cliff Kingsbury always killed it with his attire. I think he was one of the few shorts guys last year. We'll see what JG if he can keep up the tradition of Cardinals coaches just being the most winning the most uh best dressed. Yeah. Cliff and is Capri's Cliff is
0: kind of tailored capris on game day. Not not <laughs> my favorite thing, uh, but to each their own. Um so moving to kind of real football, uh Gannon, as you pointed out on Twitter um, spoke to NFL.com. He spoke to Steve Weish at the uh, league meetings on Sunday and basically said, I'm operating right now is, uh, that DeAndre Hopkins is an Arizona Cardinal. And that's what he should say. What else is he supposed to say? He's on the team right now. I think, Bo, when we spoke to him at the combine, he probably would have thought Hopkins would have been traded by this point. And so I what what you have to understand is that this is not a situation in which Gannon is very much in the weeds with every trade, every transaction, like he'll give recommendations, but I mean, this, this is Monty Austin show. And, and Gannon is going to tell him what he wants in a player, but they want the same kind of relationship that Howie Roseman had with uh, what's his name in Philadelphia. Well, um, the, the head, uh, what's Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni. Mm -hmm. whereas the the Nick Sirianni and the coaches would go to Howie Roseman and say, this is what we're looking for. Not a specific player, Bo, but it was like, these are the attributes. This is what we need for the position. And then it would be Howie's job to go do that. And I feel like this kind of falls under that same umbrella. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's on the team right now. So I'm going to operate as if he's going to be on the team, but like Gannon's worried about the X's and O's.
1: Sure. But I also think that this is just a fluid negotiation that, that, Continues with DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think that this is him embracing D Hop to the point where you should say, okay, we need to pivot to 2023, where DeAndre Hopkins is wearing his usual number 10 and he's out there running routes for the Arizona Cardinals and Drew Petzing's new offense. But I think that there's probably messaging within the organization after there was the realization that trading DeAndre Hopkins isn't as simple as they thought it was going to be. You mm. know, they saw the tape and they're like, Here's a guy that can still play at a high level, and this is our, our our most controllable asset that we can you know, start to jumpstart this rebuild. And here he is still in a Cardinals uniform as of right now. And they're like, okay, well, he might be wearing a uniform for the bulk of the offseason, maybe up until training camp. So let's hold tight. Let's say some things that we should in front of the cameras. Uh, and I think Gannon and Monty Austinport are getting – not a, like a harsh lesson on this, but they're getting the lesson on how things go in the NFL and that what you think to be true isn't necessarily held by the other 31 teams. But as far as what Gannon told Steve Weiss, he said, I'm operating as he's a Cardinal right now. He said, so I'm looking forward to getting in the meeting room and on the field with him and seeing where it can go. I just know he's an elite player. Being a defensive guy, I had to run up against him a couple times in the division Challenges that he presents. I'm excited to get to work with him. So he's kind of said like a little bit of a hodgepodge from some sound bites that he's already said about DeAndre Hopkins. But the last time you and I talked to Jonathan Gannon, right, he was asked about DeAndre Hopkins. What was his, what was the thing he said? He said, We'll see. We'll yeah. See. We'll, I don't see. Know. we'll and, see. And I think that this is a little bit of a, a backing off of that just because I don't think that trade negotiations have gone like the Cardinals expected. Yeah. They, I think
0: the preference would have been they would have had a robust number of offers right now. Uh, we got a report from Jeremy Fowler on Saturday. Both that the Cardinals are staunchly committed as they should be. They they want a second plus uh, they want the McCaffrey deal, according to Jeremy Fowler. And that's great to hear if you're a Cardinal fan that your new general manager is not just laying over and allowing teams to take advantage of the Cardinal situation, which isn't in, in fact a, a rebuild of some kind. They want a second round pick plus something else for DeAndre Hopkins. And you've got other leagues, or excuse me, other teams and GMs saying, well, we're not going to pay that right now. So that's that's what happens. That's why at the recording of this podcast on March 26th, DeAndre Hopkins is still with the team. And there was a lot of people predicting here locally that he would be one of the first moves of free agency. Hasn't happened yet. So I I, I don't expect him, Bo, to attack your comments, to be on the team next year. I, mm. I think that they'll find some middle ground. Um, I still think it gets done before the draft. Um, I, but I, I, I don't think that, you know, keeping him through the draft and trying to get future picks would be kind of a last resort thing. They, they have right. told people behind closed doors. They want picks in the next year. So if somebody's giving you a better pick next year, a second or whatever, you'd have to consider that. And right. that, that kind of gets me into Bo, what I, what I wanted to talk to you about. Cause I've seen this a lot on social media. It's a, tough time to be a Cardinal fan right now. Yeah. I mean, you go from (laughs) when the team was, you know, unbeaten in the NFL about 18 months ago to they can't win a home game and they are predicted now co, you know, favorites, if you will, to be one
1: of the worst teams in the NFL per Vegas. Before we get, before we move it, I I do want to just kind of piggyback your point about trading him before the draft, because you look at all the variables that are in play right now and, and the challenges that the Cardinals are facing with D hop, you know, his age, his price tag, Um, you know, his availability. He's missed half the games the last two seasons. You've got that. To to your point, you probably have to deal him before the draft because, you know, they did release the dates, the offseason training dates for this offseason. And if you think DeAndre Hopkins is is going to show up for many of those, I think that continues to maybe take shots and take down your leverage. You know, and I know that DeAndre Hopkins is a professional and he'll play the game to an extent, but you know, there are also reports that he wants to get out of here. And if he doesn't see any kind of movement on that, you know, if they have some sort of OTAs where veterans are expected to show up in some capacity, you know, there could be a couple practices where he's not there and it continues to take, you know, the Cardinals leverage down. Don't you think? Yeah. I I mean,
0: you could conceivably just hold him out of the Cardinals held him out of games at the end of last year. So I just assume like, you have a kind of a mutual understanding that, Hey, we're going to try to figure this out. Don't come to anything. We're not going to find you for anything, but if we can't find a trade partner, maybe we reconvene in May or or June after the draft. I don't know. It, It is, it is a dicey situation, but I, I don't think it's unimaginable that he's on. I mean, Trent Williams got traded on draft weekend because he basically forced Washington's hand. If you remember that, I mean, Washington thought, they were going to get more premium picks than what they got from San Francisco. I think it ended up being like two thirds, but they had a higher, you know, offer from Minnesota. It was a second and, and Trent kind of dictated that. I don't, I, I might be naive, but I don't think Deandre Hopkins is dictating this. Um, and that's to, to his credit. I don't think, and I also don't think he has any power to dictate it. If he was coming off, you know, back-to-back pro bowl level seasons, number one, I think he'd be traded by now, but also it'd be in a different scenario than PED suspension and then kind of injury prone right now. So it, it's a very unique scenario. And I do think that the contract piece, maybe even more so than the compensation is what's presented some hurdles, but man, just look at these teams with a bunch of robust cap space. And it's like, you can't fit DeAndre Hopkins in for the next two years that I find that hard to believe. It just, this entire situation with the hop, I know it's kind of draining the fan base a little bit because it's like, will he or won't he be around? And when can we move forward regardless? I, I, you got to think there's going to be resolution here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I've been saying that throughout the months of March, so
1: I don't know. Right. No, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think that it's it's inevitable at this point. It's not if, it's when. Uh, and, and trying to find that middle ground because you have teams that are clearly interested, have been reported to be interested They've got the reporters that have their sources with that organization. Let's just use New England as the example, right? To where Albert Breer is saying on Sports Talk Radio on Friday that there are teams that are, will, that are waiting for the Cardinals to outright release DeAndre Hopkins, which is absolutely absurd. And yeah. then you've got Jeremy Fowler, who's got solid connection sources with the Arizona Cardinals organization, dating back you know, his piece with Josh Weinfush that was kind of uh, ground-shaking as far as the Cliff Kingsbury, Steve Keim, uh, bid will kyler dynamic back in december um you know he's saying they're holding strong on a second round pick so it's just like there is going to be some middle ground but as of right now uh it seems pretty far away yeah uh what does not feel far away
0: uh is this offseason that seemingly will not get kickstarted for this franchise in terms of robust moves free agent signings alike I think, Bo, you and I would be naive if, if we didn't say that we thought there'd be more action with this team in the month of March. Um, you know, they signed, they signed a linebacker um, on Saturday. Uh, and no disrespect to the young man. Uh, Chris Barnes, former undrafted free agent with the Packers out of UCLA, he has been in the NFL for three years. Two years, he was productive. He was a special teamer, got some snaps defensively, and then this past year was was injury prone. The Packers didn't tender him. So he joins a group of six linebackers, and I guess I'm bringing this up because it's relevant. It's a, it's a signing for this team, but like this is what this offseason has been. It's been Chris Barnes's esque signings outside of Kazir White and then some modest returns of a Will Hernandez, etc. Do you think that everybody, including us, underestimated the level in which they were going to strip this down, or is should we be saying, well, yeah, this is what teams do? This is what teams do when they've been mismanaged for decades on end and they've got new football people and they want a firm reset, not a couple band-aids over what has been kind of a pulsating wound to this
1: franchise. This rebuild is jarring. I I mean, I I know that we called for it. We wanted a full organizational reset and that's what it, this, that looks like, Mm -hmm. but it's still jarring. I mean, it's still jarring to see, uh, them kind of, because I saw how they built a coaching staff. I saw how they built a front office and it seemed like they were very, uh, just, there was a sense of urgency there. I mean, not, not the initial, obviously the, the head coach, it took a while. Right. But that was Bidwill and his, his team that he anointed to, to help him with that. Right. But I think it's, it's been to actually see it unfold. It just like to see a team go four and 13 to see it, unfold before your very eyes like it's it's jarring you're like wow no I I envision things being bad but I envision them being this bad or this slow as it pertains to this offseason and and the caliber of player like I I think the the biggest spot right and I think you might agree with me here is the quarterback position how they've approached the quarterback position because thought that there would be some at least reports that they would be in on some of the and there weren't a lot of great signal callers out there, but that they would try to approach it with somebody to fill in for Kyler Murray that you were familiar with that you could say, I could see them winning some games with that guy. And that 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 hasn't presented itself. Well, they we
0: know they were in on Joshua Dobbs, they were yeah. negotiating with Joshua Dobbs, they didn't want to pay him a bunch of money, is what I heard. And I'm like, they're gonna get that done. They got a bunch of they could outbid anybody. And then Joshua Dobbs goes for like a million plus. And mm-hmm. it's like, why didn't you sign Joshua Dobbs? What are You you know, and then we kind of got word that between, you know, Colt McCoy and Gannon are kind of hanging out and doing some social activities together, which is if you're a Cardinal fan and you're not pro Colt McCoy starting games for this team in September, that's a little concerning. Um, and I would say a lot of the quarterbacks remaining, Bo, that could start for this team are in Colt's tier like Teddy Bridgewater and Colt McCoy, in my opinion, are very similar to each other. Um, and it's not like Josh Dobbs was significantly better, but he offered some youth and some athleticism that Colt didn't have that I thought could put him on par with maybe Jacoby Brissett when, when what Drew Petsing did last year. Um, but here's, uh, we'll give you some inside baseball here. I And Gannon's going to say all the right things. We were at the combine, we ran him down, and I said some stupid line about, you know, patience. And and he, he literally told Bo and I fuck that. We got to win games. So it's like, <laughs> hell yeah, let's, let's right. do it. And then it's like, well, how, how are you going to win a bunch of games when you've got, you know, a roster that according to Mike Clay and ESPN is the worst defensive line in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And you've got holes all over the place. I, we're, we're so fired up for the draft because it's going to present the future, you know, on a silver platter, but like, Rookies, it's, it's hard to make an impact. We've seen right. it. Lord knows, we've seen it in the desert. It's like you got to have some veterans that can come in and, and and make an impact and and at least get you to the midpoint where the rookies can take over if they're not ready yet. Um, I I don't know. It 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 does feel like for this fan base, especially Bo, kind of what I was alluding to earlier. When you when you are projected to be the worst team in the NFC substantially, and I get it. You're not going to have Kyler Murray presumably start the year. We'll see how long that's going to take, but not even to supplement anything to say, okay, I mean, I thought Bo naively, well, they're going to load up, load up on o lineman and they're going to have a run game and they're going to have a mobile quarterback and they're going to manufacture leads, pet scene style, like in Cleveland. They're, they're essentially with the talent they have, they're running it back from Cliff Kingsbury's offense.
1: Yeah. Yep. I mean, the status quo with some i think you could probably feel a little bit more i mean that that completely uh, you know excite not definitely not excited but and definitely not comfortable but they i think they have some depths now on that offensive line that would ease put put you at ease a little bit but it's it's still the group that one one guy was was healthy the entire time so there's concern there it remains and you know we had identified cause you're white is somebody that was going to come aboard here in the off season, but I didn't think he was going to be the marquee signing of this organization. I thought he was going to be part of it. I thought he yeah. might've been like second or third on the, on the, on the marquee, but he's the top guy. And I thought like, yeah, absolutely. Would they have been in on a guard? Would they have been on a couple of these defensive linemen, a center, uh, but it, it's just like, it really does feel like, and and this is not an indictment on Monty Asifor. I think it, you know, it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, the right move to concede signing anybody of note just to sign somebody just for the betterment of the organization uh, beyond 2023, because that's what it's about because he has, he has such a significant mess to clean up. It's like, what's the point of me going out there and signing Joe blow and, and giving him an extra year are giving them an extra couple million to just come in here and and what do what for this organization it's like they need to get guys in here they got to have the guys that they have on the roster they have to get up to speed on the new system and then the people that they're going to bring in from the draft they got to get them up to speed quickly and some playing time right off the bat and
0: i'm not company shill back in the Cardinals in this aspect, but I, I do think that a, a false narrative that's out there is, well, the Cardinals aren't signing players because no one wants to come here because of that NFLPA report yeah. guys in the league. Talk the, the Washington fr- football franchise has been overpaying free agents since, you know, I was in diapers. Like it, it doesn't at the end of the day, it matters. Yes. When it's a couple hundred thousand and you might consider, Oh, this place has better care for my family. And maybe I've got a newborn. They've got a daycare you overpay free agents that come to your destination. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the Cardinals don't have no state tax or whatever, like Texas and can, Florida can operate with that, but they've got $23 million. They could have overpaid, quote-unquote, for Jacoby Brissett or, J- or Josh Dobbs or whomever they wanted and signed those people, and they'd be Cardinals right now. I, I They are actively choosing, Bo, not to spend money, not to spend money with this franchise, and it, I, I just for people who are like, well, yeah, that they've always done this. No, like Kimes Cardinals go look at their salary caps over the last 10 years. Like were they managed well in terms of like who they were giving money to? No, but they were consistently in the bottom third of available salary cap. They were paying people money to right. play football for them. It was too often the wrong people. So I, I think that's a, a whole other entity that doesn't add up. I think it is literally as cut and dry as this roster it, Monty Austin Ford turned on the tape and looked at the players and looked who was getting paid, what, and it's in much worse shape than I think the casual fan, even diehards would come to admit like, Oh yeah, we have holes everywhere and it's going to take a complete teardown to get right. this team back to where it needs to be. I think they want to go through this entire draft process. Like you've mentioned many times have 10 to 12 picks go into this season, see who's worth keeping around and, And then next off season, with more money and and less pre existing kind players to hamper, you say, okay, now I can fill out the roster with supplemental holes the way I want to fill it out. It's they're just they are punting on their second consecutive march in free agency. It's it's pretty
1: it's pretty baffling. It wasn't a mop and bucket cleanup. It was more than that. It was get out the power washer. (laughs) It's like there's shit on the walls. I mean, this, this, I mean, how, it's, it's a black the, light. Out. Yeah. How the hell did they do? How did the hell did that get there? Holy crap. This is even like somebody hid this potentially because it was such a mess. Like they knew it was a disaster. So yeah, Monty, Monty Austin for has the power washer right. out and it's all hands on deck. They're swabbing it. And it's, there's still a stench. They're going to have to, they're going to have to get in a, another cleaning crew probably because it was such a disaster. So but I mean, when I say it's jarring, it's not like I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't think that this is just them punting because they're cheap or punting because money's bad at his job or ill-equipped to, to negotiate these deals or the, the report card. You're right. I mean, this is, this is the strategy and, and it's so like, this is on purpose. Well, yeah. What do you, what do you want them that you want them to go out there and you want to sign a, a a guard that hit free agency that the other team really didn't feel like they wanted to negotiate a multi-year extension with or center or, you know, a defensive lineman who I felt like that those guys were all interchangeable, right. They're outside of Hargrave. Like who the hell was worth out, like going out there and spending bucks on. And it's like, well, yeah, what's, what's the point? Like, okay, well, we'll see how we do in the draft or how the Cardinals do in the draft. And then, if there's if there's a, a depth issue, go out there and sign who's remaining, and for pennies on the dollar. So I think that that's the play, and the the hope is that this coaching staff can coach somebody up enough to where it's not just a just a turnstile at the defensive line or offensive line or at the cornerback position, and and they'll they'll just proceed from there. But right now, going out and using free agency to build your roster, it's just like. You wanted a full reset, but you're asking the new regime to do what the old regime did and not very well. There there are so many question marks
0: on this roster. You go look at over the cap right now, and like presumably your top players should be your best players, right? Like the Cardinals top player in terms of salaries, DeAndre Hopkins. He's 30 days or less from being traded, presumably. Then you've got Buda Baker and Kyler, which makes sense. Those are the two names that are synonymous with everybody. Then you've got Hollywood Brown, who's owed no guaranteed money after this year. This could be his final year with the team. DJ Humphreys, who they move money around purposely. So yeah, to get his cap number down this year, could be moved, could be cut next offseason. Zach Ertz, who is close with Jonathan Gannon, is next in line, could easily be cut after this year. James Conner after that could easily be cut, easily be cut at $10 million after this year. Isaiah Simmons, not having his fifth-year option picked up yet, that's he's next in line, could easily be gone. Um, Jalen Thompson is at least under contract. And I think he'll do well to ingratiate himself with uh, Gannon, but it's like, can you pay he and Buddha big time money? That remains to be seen. Then it's Colt McCoy who could be one and done Rodney Hudson. Who's gone Dennis Gardeck, who could be cut at any day. JJ Watts on this list still. I mean, that is just alarming to read those list of names and it's like, how many backbones of the roster do you have? Like Mm -hmm. is Will Hernandez on a one to two year deal at $2 million of backbone? No. Is Zayvon Collins entering his third year making $2 million of backbone? You would hope you don't know that for sure. And then it's like this roster, I mean, you talk about paper thin, Mm -hmm. paper thin in terms of secured quantities, proven quantities after 2023. I mean, It's it's
1: difficult. It's not there. It's it's basically not there. It's non-existent. And I got to give a lot of credit to our chat, our live chat, uh, throughout last week. And and I think they've been saying it for all of free agency for the most part. It's like because we say it sometimes in passing, like it's it's a slam dunk or it's a layup for Monty Austin Fort. That if he's armed with a ton of draft capital, that he's going to hit on that. The pressure's on. The pressure's going to be on for him. Especially if he's if he does secure some more top fifty picks for him to hit those picks. Uh, because to your point, the the cupboard is nearly bare outside of the franchise quarterback. That uh, we got an update on by Gannon, by the way, we can get before we get out of here. But um, yeah, I, I think that the, the pressure for money Austin for it to to nail, you know, if it's three or within the top ten, whenever he selects, you know, if he has another first round pick he's got to hit on those two he He's got to hit on his second round picks and probably a third for this team to not be as brutally depleted as it is as it stands right now well and it it's difficult
0: because you want them you want to get fans excited right yeah. you want you want people to be fired up they've re- and I think they're going to do some other things we know to hopefully supplement for that like it they're gonna it sounds like new uniforms and new helmets they're going to try to get people enthused. That's great. That's overdue. We applaud that. Certainly, this podcast. And then they're going to be equipped. I, I think we're going to get a trade down sometime in April before the draft. And then you're going to be able to sell your fan base that hey, here's 12 new players for hopefully yeah. premium schools at premium positions that are going to be reason enough to come out watch this team this fall. Um, and then you know you never know they could sign guys over the course of May, June, and July that'll that'll you know, strike up your, Oh, interest. Oh, okay. I know that player be interesting to see what happens there, but man, it, they got a fourth place schedule. So anything's possible. And who knows K one, if he's back sooner rather than later, they always have a a very good chance to win a football game when number one is starting for them. But it, you mentioned him on the return, any substantial information given by Gannon in that article, Bo.
1: So here's what JG said. He said, quote, he's in Dallas with his surgeon last week. He's doing well. So he's, he's with the guy who performed the surgery. Uh, they like where he's at. He's going to start doing some things in the strength room, the weight room. I don't know why he called it the strength room. There's, you ever say, hey, I'm going to go hit the strength room, get a, get a good strength room uh, session in? He's coming along well, close quote for JG. And then he told us what he told us. He said uh, it's it's going to come down to it's the coach's call whether K1's on the field uh, in order to protect the health of both him physically and mentally. I mean, it's basically what the conversation you and I had with John, Jonathan Gannon in Indianapolis where he said, you know, he's chomping at the bit. He's putting in the work, you know, the, the word that they used when they described Kyler Murray in his rehab attacking it. But it's going to – this team, you know, as we look at how things have unfolded or not unfolded during free agency – you know, they're going to, they're going to protect him. They're going to handle him with kid gloves. And because he said, look, it was a non-contact injury. He said, he's made that cut a thousand times in his career. He's got to get back there where mentally he can do that without thinking twice. Cause in, a, in the NFL, if you start overthinking things, you're going to, you're going to get squared up. Like luckily we haven't seen Kyler Murray ever get squared up in his career, but mm-hmm. you know, he could put himself in a tough position if he's out there, not if he's thinking twice about, Hey, can I, can I make this cut? Can I juke this guy? Do I need to get down? Do I need to spin? Uh, so he needs, you know, he's reiterating, it's going to be up to Gannon and whether or not, you know, his organization believes that he's fully ready to go do things physically and mentally before taking the field. And then it's going to come down to, is it Blau, is it McCoy? Uh, I think they're trying to figure that out. Something that would
0: really concern me in, in terms of being able to see Kyler Murray sooner rather than later And putting it in the coaching staff's hands is the fact that they did not, in my opinion, you know, do a a ton to upgrade the offensive line. Um, And you've got the same group that got hurt last year. Um, And maybe they'll be healthy. But we've seen with Cardinal O-lines, they get worse as the year goes on. So if you're sitting around in November and you've got a couple backups starting and the team is struggling – I mean, you want Kyler Murray out there, you want him to get his reps and to, and to feel good about it, and, and hell, who knows, maybe go on a little bit of a run, but that would cons- – um, we remember what this O-line looked like in November and December this past year, and they have not added one singular entity that's proven to come in here and start for them. I mean, you've yeah. got Beecham, who's good, but he's a year older, Humphreys, who can't stay healthy, but he should be motivated because he, he could potentially be one and done – and then Will Hernandez, who's been banged up. And then you've got basically wide open holes at left guard and center. Yeah, and those presumably could be rookies, which is great, but that, that would concern me immensely, Bo about, Hey, let's just throw Kyler Murray in against, you know, San Francisco and, you know, week 10 and our O line is shit. I, right. I, then there's not going to be motivation to do that.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that you and I haven't shied away and we, we, Alluded to, according to Tony Pauline, a, a center of the future. Somebody they're eyeing in the draft could be late second round, early third round, uh, Whippler out at of at Ohio State. But the the guys that they brought in as backups, and this is not me saying, Hey, everything's fine, it's like they're backup players for a reason. But yeah, they played in all 17 games last year. They have, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, Yelda Froholt with the Browns and Dennis Daly with Tennessee. Uh, a name that should not be spoken by anybody in the- <laughs> fondly of, uh, but they all played, they both played in 17 games last year. So they had it, they they played, they had an attendance record, you know, now do you want them? Do, do you want daily playing tackle for you, a guard for you or for a whole, you know, playing center for you? Probably not, but they are bringing in people that they know will be available. If these top guys go down, but expect, you know, at least a draft pick or two to that group. And then they've got the 12 guys plus the three returning starters from the offensive line. So they're starting to just flood the position with numbers and, and hoping, you know, the guys that they want to rely on upon hopefully can, but they're also going to be able to have some backup plans if if they can't.
0: Bo is at the uh, owners meetings all week here in the Valley, but we got coverage for you Monday through Friday, PHNX Cardinals I uh, hope to get more insight from both Monty Asenford and Jonathan Gannon, as well as what could be on the horizon with DeAndre Hopkins. You never know with this team, Bo, do you, when the news is coming down the pipeline. Uh, but we have certainly made the most of it. And we ourselves have a major announcement coming uh, for PHNX, PHNX Cardinals this week. Stay tuned for that. We're so fired up, Bo. And, uh, yeah, we got draft. Not you know, It's draft season now, but it feels
1: like yeah, our draft coverage is about to kick into high gear, is it not? It is. Yeah, we're going to start to release some of the prospects that we think the Arizona Cardinals should be knocking around. Obviously, we have some of the interviews, we've confirmed some of the interviews that they've had with some of these prospects. We'll start kind of connecting some dots, looking at some needs, and uh, looking at some, some players that they've been investigating and doing their due diligence on. So we'll give you some more insight on who all those players are. Johnny already has a good breakdown of why the Cardinals aren't going to be picking Will Anderson third overall now. That's, uh, that's pretty much where we we'll leave it there. But um, we got some, some great stuff coming your way as far as the NFL draft. So stay tuned. Make sure you've got alerts set up on your YouTube if you're following at phnx underscore sports. And uh, I think on Monday, uh, we should also deep dive this, this win total, this five and a half win total for the Arizona Cardinals that Vegas has, has dropped on us. It's hard to lose 12 games.
0: I'm just going to say that it's very hard to lose 12 games, especially when you're well coached. Uh, we're well coached on this podcast. Like, and subscribe. Leave us a five star wherever you get your podcasts for Bo Brock, I'm Johnny Venerable. We'll see you Monday. <laughs>